When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Charles Watts here. It is Saturday. The weekend is here. I hope you're all very well wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world. Of course, we've still got 24 hours or so to wait for Arsenal returning to action after the international break with that trip at Everton today. The Premier League gets underway today, though. I think we've got Liverpool coming up at 12.30, as I'm sure you're all aware, given Jurgen Klopp has been moaning about it for about the last 24 hours. But Arsenal in action against Everton tomorrow, that difficult-looking trip. <laughs> I say difficult-looking trip. For most teams, it's probably not a difficult-looking trip. But for Arsenal, certainly in recent years, it has proved to be a very difficult-looking trip for them because they've gone five years without a win at Goodison, losing four and drawing the other of their last five games. Mikel Arteta has been speaking about that ahead of the match. He had his press conference yesterday afternoon, of course, where he spoke about lots of things, which we'll go over a little bit in today's episode. got lots of questions and comments from you guys at the end as well. So let's get cracking, shall we? We'll start on the latest team news ahead of tomorrow. Arsenal will be travelling up to Goodison later on today. And they're in good, good shape after the international break, which we all thought they were going to be. We hadn't really heard much about potential injuries. Gabriel had that little bit of a scare when he was away with Brazil. But other than that, everyone seemed to be in good shape. Mikel Arteta certainly suggesting that yesterday. You know, whether there's anything that's being kept under wraps, we'll have to wait and see. But Fingers crossed, it looks like only, you know, the, the big injuries that we know of, you know, Thomas Partey, um, Urien Timber, uh, Moel Nenny, who is back in training now, but I still think it's not quite ready, had a bit of a hamstring issue after coming back from his uh, long-term injury as well. So, although he's training, I don't think he's going to be ready to be considered for the squad yet. But other than that, as Mikel Arteta says here, if you could look at, if you're watching on the screen, you can see he says, all good, they all came back well, all trained today, they are in a good place um, he said on Thomas Party, he's still a few weeks away. He's got a muscle injury and he's progressing well, but he's still a few weeks away. The rest are available. So good news there for Arsenal. Um, you know, Bukaya Saka has been sort of struggling a little bit with uh, that Achilles 
issue that was highlighted during the international break. Mikel was asked about that at his press conference yesterday. He said he's fine. He's trained normally, so there's nothing to report. Every player has pains and issues. That's normal in elite sport, but there is nothing to worry about. And I think I think we've just got to accept, you know, if Saka is carrying some sort of an issue, it's something that the, the team will manage. The coaching staff will be keeping a close eye on. The medical staff, of course, will be co- keeping a close eye on. But you know, as Mikel says, I mean, a lot of players always carrying things. You talk to any footballer, they are barely ever 100% fit. They barely have a 95% fit. They're always a little bit patched up during the week. It's just the demands of playing at the top level elite sport. You are going to be under uh, strain. Your body's going to be under strain. So, you know, I don't think Saka's going to be on his own and having this this issue. I think it's obviously highlighted because of how important a player he is for Arsenal and the fact that Arsenal still don't really have that sort of what we consider direct cover for Bukayo Saka. I do think, and I've spoken about this before, it is tough in a way, as much as I sit here and say at times, I, I think they need they need cover for Saka, they need cover Saka. I think it is quite a hard thing to actually put into practice because it's kind of like the Harry Kane situation when he was at Spurs and they barely ever signed strikers because if, you were, if you're a striker, why would you sign for Tottenham if Harry Kane's there? Because you know he's going to play. Um, if you're a right winger and a decent right winger, why on earth would you sign for Arsenal? Because you just know that Saka's going to play. Um, and when you do look at the squad, there are options. Gabriel Jesus, uh, who actually we'll talk about a little bit later on in this video, um, that option on the right-hand side, you know, um, Reese Nelson, Kai Havert. There are, there are options there, uh, but more often than not, if Saka plays, he's if he's fit, he's going to play. And I saw an interesting thing doing around. I haven't got the, the screen grab, actually, but I saw an interesting... Um, sort of comparison yesterday doing the rounds in terms of Saka's minutes over the last couple of years compared to some other really important players for various clubs. There was Viniscus at Real Madrid. Um, there was other players where I can't say, like Mo Salah at Liverpool. And Saka's actually down on that. You know, he's not played anywhere near as many minutes as those sort of players. Um, so I think we probably look at it as, you know, through our sort of Arsenal glasses and all really, really worried about the workload being put on Saka and the amount of games he's playing, the amount of, you know, consistent games in a Premier League back-to-back stretching on about two seasons now um, but when you sort of do actually take a little bit of a step back and look and compare him to other players who are just as equally as important for their sides across Europe it's a very similar situation and in fact as I said players like Vinicius Salah have got a, have actually played a lot more minutes than Bukaya Saka so um, but it is good news obviously that Mikel says that it's uh, it's nothing majorly serious for him Okay, Gabriel Jesus was a big talking point um, in not in the press conference yesterday, certainly not in the live section of the press conference, but for the quotes that went out at ten thirty, basically for today's newspapers, the embargo quotes. Mikel was talking quite a lot about Gabriel Jesus. He was asked questions about Jesus and how important he is, and how you know the goal against Manchester United and, and things like that, and uh, the chaos he brings, or whether Mikel likes that. I thought there were some really interesting comments from Mikel on Gabby Jesus. He said, look, I've got some of them here on the screen. He says, if you look at the last six or seven months for Gabby with the long-term injury he had and the amount of football that he's missed, then he came back in pre-season, he started to get his rhythm again, and then he had another injury, another surgery. So we have to build him up. He is a tremendous player, a really important player for us. He changed our world last season. You could all see that. He is going to be really important for us. I think he brought a different energy, a different belief, a different threat, a different fear to opponents. And he did it in a really natural way. He can contribute hugely to that step we had last season. That last paragraph there was when Mikel was asked, you know, how did he change your world? Um, And that's what he said. And he's true. I think 
you know, we and I've been talking about it this week, you know, potential for Arsenal to go into the striker market again next summer. Uh, and I do think they probably will. Uh, but I think we it's easy to forget just how good Gabriel Jesus is and how good he was in that first half of the season last season before he got that injury. Yes, he had that little spell where he went about 10 games without a goal leading up to the World Cup. But even in those games, he was so important. He was so good. He caused so many problems. I think back to that the win at Stamford Bridge last season when you know, he missed a sitter after a brilliant move with an amazing goal. Arsenal 1-1-0. But he was exceptional. He was so good in that game. And there were so many other games like that where he was just such a handful. We caused such panic in the opposition defences and that created so much space for other players, Arsenal players, to exploit. And, um, you know, he was so... He transformed Arsenal. You know, Mikel's not lying there. He said he changed our world. He did. You know, Arsenal were a completely different proposition last season when they came into that new season. And so much of a part of that was Gabriel Jesus. He was so important. I think it's really easy to forget just how good he was and is, because he still is. Um, and he's just had so, he's been so disrupted by injuries since then. Um, and that one in, in the summer was so frustrating because in the preseason tour over in America, he played so well in that win. Was It, it was against Barcelona, wasn't it? And and he thought he's, he looks ready. He's, he's back to his best. And then he got that injury again and it disrupted things. So it's brilliant to see him back last, last week uh, before the international break. Brilliant to see him score that goal against United and just the way he took that goal, what that would do for his confidence boost. You know, it was such a quality finish, quality bit of play. And I, I do think that it's very easy to forget how good he is and um, how big an impact he can have on this season. Whether he starts tomorrow, we'll have to wait and see. I've said it before. Eddie's been playing well. I don't think Eddie's done anything wrong. I think Gabriel Jesus had a long flight back from South America. He might not be completely ready. I think he definitely starts next weekend against Tottenham, whatever happens. But whether the Everton game is just comes a little bit too early for him remains to be seen. But I can't wait to see him fully fit, back leading the line for Arsenal. I think, and I said at the start of the season, I was tip, I was asked, who do you think really going to bang? I was on a podcast. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, same old Arsenal podcast, was it? Or uh, I can't remember. And they... Um, and they said it was like, you've got to pick someone who's going to bang this season. I went for Jesus, I really did. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. And I can't wait to see him up and running again. Uh, back to yesterday's press conference, if, just in case you haven't seen him. Martin Odegaard's contract, Mikel was asked about it. I thought this was an interesting answer. Usually Mikel doesn't really talk about these sort of things. He bats them away. I think the fact that he actually went into this a little bit more than he normally does tells you all you need to know about you know how confident Arsenal are that this contract will soon be wrapped up and Martin Odegaard will be announced to having signed a new long-term extension. He said, he's our captain, a massive player for us, a really important player for us now and for the future. We're extremely happy to have him and want to keep him here for a long time. I'm always optimistic. We have a really good relationship with him and his agent. We are really close to them. And whenever that's confirmed, we'll announce it. I mean, I remember before Saka was confirmed, before Orba's big contract was confirmed, Mikel said something very, very similar to this. And it was like, that was basically the green flag being waved. So like, yeah, this is going to happen. And, um, you know, as I've reported in the last couple of weeks, anyway, with Odegaard since uh, saying that those talks were ongoing, it's, you know, it's all heading in a very good direction. And there's a very strong confidence around Arsenal that this will be done very, very smoothly. And Odegaard will soon join the likes of Saka, Martinelli, Gabriel and everyone in tying them down to new long-term contracts. And again, it just says a lot about where Arsenal are right now. In previous years, they lost these kind of players. They couldn't hold on to these kind of players when they started to perform at such a high level. 
the the vultures just started circling and took them away. That doesn't happen now. It's not happening in this current Arsenal regime, this current Arsenal squad. They want to stay. They want to commit their futures to the club. And it says an awful lot about how they view things, how much they're enjoying their football and how much trust they have in Arteta and, and their teammates that they can achieve what they want to achieve here and they don't have to look elsewhere for that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. In terms of the Everton game, it's going to be, we know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know the sort of game that's going to that Arsenal are going to face. We know the record. Mikel's been speaking about the record a lot and says, look, we've done it. We've played lots of games in the last couple of years where we've gone to teams where we hadn't won in a lot of years and we turned that around. Now we have to do that at Everton as well. Um, he was asked about the physical battle. He said, sometimes you cannot avoid a battle. There are certain times when you have to do this and, and their style of play, play is very clear. They are, sim- they are simply good at that. We have a very different style when you're trying to impose your way of playing and tactics. It's about making sure your opponent's strengths are completely hiding and yours are coming out every single time to fill the potential of your plays. That's what I think both managers and both teams will try and do on Sunday. In the embargo section, he always he spoke more about it as well, and he was very keen to point out that Everton weren't just about physicality and they had more to their game than that, which is kind of true, but we still know it's going to be a real physical game. We know what Everton are going to try and do to unsettle Arsenal. It's no secret. Arsenal failed to deal with that, and they failed to deal with that badly last, last season. At Goodison Park, they have to be better at doing it this season if they want to get the result, and they need to get the result. They need to back up that Manchester United win uh, before the international break with another one ahead of the match against Tottenham next weekend. It's really, really crucial. I think that they get three points from this Everton game. I think it's a really, really important one for them, and I think it's going to tell us an awful lot about the current squad and certainly the midfield. I'm intrigued. I'd love Thomas Partey to have been fit. I think this could have well have been a game where you have Thomas Partey, Declan Rice, in that midfield three to sort of counter the physicality of Anana, Decore and Gay. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. And so I think we're probably going to see the same midfield three that we've seen so far, which will be Havertz, which I'm sure will uh, annoy a lot of people. But I think he'll play um, Havertz, Rice and Odegaard as well. And I think that's going to be such a crucial part of the game where it's won or lost. Okay, some questions and comments from you. Here's one from Aaron. He says, hi, Charles. While everybody expects a big number nine signing next summer, we have to realise that Partey has one year left next summer. Jorginho will become a free agent unless we activate the extension clause. El Neni will also be a free agent. That means we need need to consider a significant backup in the number six position unless we have some internal solution in the use. But Skelly looks young. Do you agree that we need to consider another six signing next summer? Yes, I do. 100%. I think, you know, it remains to be seen what happens with Thomas Partey next summer. You know, I could easily see him go in just because of his contract situation and his age. And if Arsenal get a good offer for him, 
then they would probably consider it. I'm not, as I've said a lot of time, they're not shoving Thomas Party out the door by any means. But um, if you know, you just from a purely football business point of view, I think come next seat, next summer, it would make sense to consider a, de- a decent proposal if one arrives. Uh, Jorginho, like you said, it depends if Arsenal take up his option or not on Nenny as well. So yeah, I do think they probably need to look at another midfielder next summer, 100%. I think Declan Rice has got that position nailed down, obviously. And will have for a long, long time, providing he stays injury free, which we hope he will. But they will need, you know, sort of a younger cover for that as well. And I do think that is an area they'll look at. But uh, number nine, I think if they're going to go out and do another sort of Declan Rice signing, as in, you know, spend that sort of money on a real significant name and, you know, a real high end investment, I imagine number nine will be at the top of the list next next summer. And then you get probably look at a more younger sort of player who will provide cover in the midfield area as well. So thanks for your question, Aaron. Here's one from Andy. He said, I'll be interested in seeing Jesus playing more on the right. See what he can do as a rotation option with Saka. Would open the way for a proper number nine to step in. I'd be interested to see him playing on the right. I agree. And we do, to be fair, we saw it towards the end of last season. We started seeing it a lot more. I think it was definitely an option Mikel was turning to. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see it as an option that he uses this season at times, but when you say it would open the way for a proper number nine to step in, you know, when I say Arsenal will be targeting number nine, I don't think that's necessarily someone who's going to come in and just be the guaranteed starter as a central striker, because I think Gabriel Jesus is that at the moment, and I don't really see that changing. I think I see a number nine coming in in the summer to provide a different sort of option to play at times and to change things up, but no, I don't think, I don't see Gabriel Jesus being ushered out and uh, sort of ended up as a sort of bench player next season at all you know he's still young really talented he's going to improve he's still going to improve I think and um so yeah I don't think it's a case of seeing a number nine step in but I do think it's definitely an option having him out on the right we saw him you know he did it so so well for Manchester City in the really big games as well for Manchester City he'd go out wide uh, and perform really really well so it's a, it's a position he can play in and given Arsenal's kind of lack of options to replace Saka then it, it makes sense that we might see him using playing over there more than we have done before. So, yeah, and it'd be interesting. And uh, I'm sure he'll do it very, very well for Arsenal. Here's one from Mason who says, Hi, Charles. Do you think we as Arsenal fans think too much on selling players and getting value on them before they are too old? You look at fans who are interested in selling parties so you get a good fee, but it makes little sense in football terms. Same could be said on Xhaka. He could potentially be been convinced to stick around for another year with Champions League fixtures, he would have been a huge asset. I'm not sure he could have been convinced to stick around for another year. I think Granite's mind was pretty well made up. He'd been asked for a long time. I think he was um, his family wanted to go back. That wasn't the only reason he left. I just think he wanted to go back to Germany. And even though they were in, they got in the Champions League, he was ready to go. He wanted that option. He was really interested in Leverkusen's um, sort of project that was going on over there. So I'm not sure he would have been convinced to stay for another year. And I think ultimately Arsenal got a good deal money-wise for for Granite. But yes, I do think sometimes we are um, sort of too focused on selling players. But I can see why in a way, because, you know, if you the more money you bring in for, for from selling players, the more money you can spend on bringing new players in. And, you know, I think if Arsenal would maybe sold a little bit better this summer, if they'd have managed to get money in for Kieran Tierney, then potentially they could have dipped back into the market and brought in cover in defence for the injury to Urien Timber before the deadline. So I think it's obviously is very, very important. But but yeah, I do kind of agree with you in a way as well. Like I look at when Balogun went, and I said this at the time, 
I'd have much rather Arsenal did what they did with Balogun and sold him to Monaco than to sell him for an extra 10 million or 15 million to Chelsea. You know, I'd much rather just take the leap, the lower amount of money and move him out to France rather than see him play in the Premier League for Chelsea. So, um, so yeah, in, in that regard, I, I wasn't too bothered. But then I look at the Rob Holding deal and I think that's just an atrocious deal for, for Arsenal. You know, how you can only get one million up front for Rob Holding. I've said it loads of times. It's just mad. I mean, how, how is Austin Trusty worth five times what Rob Holding is? You know, how is Davison Sanchez, who taught themselves to Galatasaray about a week later, worth 13 times what Rob Holding is? I just, it, I, I can't get over how bad that deal was for Arsenal. And in, when I look at that sort of thing, I just think that's really, really poor. And ultimately, it's not my money. And the Cronkies have still invested huge amounts or they've found huge amounts of money for Arsenal still to invest in their squad over the last two, three summer transfer windows. So it's not like it's holding Arsenal back in terms of their spending power, but it still could have been, you know, when you've got FFP to get around and you've got to have that all in place, you obviously, as fans, you want to see them getting value for money and because it will help with that and it will help bring in other players in. So I can see it both ways. I've kind of rambled on a little bit in that answer, so I apologise, but I hope you understand kind of what I was uh, what I was getting at. Uh, before I go, here's one from uh, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye Self. It says, no mention of Nketiah's snub by Southgate. Absolute shocker to me. I did mention it. I'm, I don't think I mentioned it in yesterday's video, but the maybe the video before, I was really sort of surprised, like, what's the point in taking him? Mikel was actually asked about this in the... Um, in his sort of the embargo press conference last night, if you're watching on screen, you can see some of the answers here. He says uh, he, was, he was asked about, you know, did it annoy you a little bit? I think what's the point of taking him if he's not going to use him? And Mikel said, well, I think it's a big point to be named in the England national team. It's a big point. He was really happy. I was really proud of him. And then, yeah, it's down to Gareth and the coaching staff's decision. He's going to have to earn the right to play. And that tells you the level there is there. And when you see the competition he has in his position, it's a welcome competition. He was then asked, was Eddie not disappointed then? And Mikel said, I'm sure he is because he wants to play every minute knowing him. But at the same time, I think he has to be really happy to be a part of it. So, yeah, I spoke about it the other day. I can, in a way, I do look at it and think, what's the point? You know, you take him, didn't even get included in the matchday squad against Ukraine and then, you know, just sat on the bench against Scotland and you're throwing on Callum Wilson with 10 minutes to go when England have got the game won already. Surely that would have been better to throw on Eddie Nketiah. But then I also look at it and think, as Mikel said, you've got to earn your right to play. Just because you've been called into the squad for the first time doesn't automatically mean you get a cap and you get minutes. You've got to earn that right. You've got to do it in training and you've got to maybe be around the squad a little bit and um, Southgate did do it with Ivan Tony as well. I remember the first time he called him up, he didn't play, didn't feature at all, but then he did the next time. So maybe that is kind of what Southgate does and he just wants to have a closer look at those players, have them part of the squad for a week or so, get used to the thing, see what they do in training. And then if they do get another call up, then that's the opportunity to get a minute. So, uh, yeah, it was a weird one. I did think initially, what's the point? But then maybe I can kind of see a little bit more about Southgate's thinking in that as well. All right, that's it from me, everyone. I hope you have a really good Saturday, whatever you're doing today, to take your mind off the uh, the football. We've only got 24 hours or so to go into Arsenal, return to action. I will be back in the morning. I'll do another video looking ahead to that Everton game. I'll do my usual predicted 11 and all that sort of stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And then, yeah, fingers crossed, three points on the way at Goodison Park. Have a very good day, everyone. I'll speak to you soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.